It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello, all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to this week's special edition of Why Blank Lost as we discuss Season 2, Episode 2, and the vote against Kel. I'm David Bloomberg, and with me, of course, is my co-host, Jessica Lewis. Hi there. Hello. Uh, We're here once again as part of the special (laughs) Rob Has a Podcast off-season series, looking back at episodes from the show we have loved for two decades. Yes, so long and so exciting to go back into 20 years of our favorite show. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, Now, you know, last week's podcast was special because it was the very first episode of Survivor. This week's episode is special to me because the very first article I posted on my Reality News Online website was Why Kel Lost. Nice. I like this. Yeah. So I had, of course, been writing about Survivor uh, before that. uh, But the website where I was posting them crashed and burned because the company spent all its venture capital. Mm. Um, Now I saw it coming along with a number of other people who were writing on that site and worked with a different company that was creating websites. And thus reality news online was born with my column on Kel as the very first new article that I posted there. I'm learning so much about you by going back in time and rewatching these episodes. I learned a lot about you last week and now this week I'm learning this. This is great. It's like a David Bloomberg um, discovery channel. If you That's will. right. It's, it's uh, the history of David Bloomberg. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I like it. This is yeah. good. Now, just because I wrote about why Cal lost once before doesn't mean this is going to just be me reading a 19 year old article to everyone. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll be mentioning that article for my thoughts from the time, uh, but we've started from scratch using all the available information. Uh, I I will admit, I do believe I'm staying consistent with my original article as so I went back, took all my notes, got ready and then went back and read my old article. And I saw a lot of the same notes that I took were the same things that I mentioned at the time. Um, So. As always, we will uh, examine how Kel did in comparison to the rules I originally wrote back after season one and have been modifying ever since, which is another reason I can't just read you my article from the time because the rules have changed since then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone who wants to check out the most recent version of the rules can, of course, go to robhasawebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules or you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rule in poster Poster. form. At tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. Yes, and please order. I will get that to you. I promise you the shipping department is up and running. If you are outside of the United States, just contact me through Twitter. My Twitter handle is here. 
I can make you see this. <laughs> Everything is backwards. Um, but we can certainly get that to you if you are overseas. So just contact me and we can make arrangements for that. So you should definitely order. And they are fabulous. They look great in a frame. Only $20. So order it. Love it. Hang it up. Live by it. That's right. That's right. And in addition to the poster, we also have another way to get the rules. So you can always have them with you in t-shirt form mm-hmm. uh so just go to rob has website.com or rob has a podcast.com and click the merch link near the top uh sort the store so new items are first and these will be right there for men and women mm-hmm. so before we get to the rules we got an answer to a question we asked last week uh william mcquade reminded me that at least as of survivor africa the second tiebreaker, if both players had the same number of previous votes, was survival trivia. Oh, I vaguely remember this. Yes, Thank yeah. God they got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, because we saw Lindsay beat Dennis Carl the first time Samburu went to tribal council in Africa. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, if only. And it would have been survivor trivia between the people that were tied. Survival trivia, not survivor trivia. Yeah, survival trivia with the people that were tied, right? Right. So maybe they shouldn't have gotten rid of that. That's right. No kidding. Damn it. Ah, survivor. So. Had to be changing the rules all the time. I know. I know. Well, there's only so much survival trivia to go around. So I know. Mm. You'd have people studying that instead of, you know, maybe, maybe that'll be the next final four. Instead of fire making, we'll have final four <laughs> survival trivia. Uh, I'd be okay. I'd kind of be okay with final four survivor trivia. Oh, yeah. Because You've, then the super duper fans have an advantage. That's very true, but that will never happen. And then they'd probably just vote out all the super duper fans instead of saying, right. oh, he could beat me at fire. They'd be like, oh, he could mm-hmm. beat me at survivor trivia. Or the sure. Adam Kleins of the world would be in a lot of trouble. Yes. For sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. You'd have to really hide it. Yes. All right. So speaking of being in a lot of trouble, I want to address the accusation that Jerry leveled against Kel regarding uh, the supposed beef jerky before Mm. we get to the rules. We're doing that first. Yes, because it doesn't fall into any rule, Mm. at least not for Kel. That's unfortunate. (laughs) What? Did you have that sewn into your shirt? um, Maybe. I just I, I mean, I don't I was just. Just listening to what you were talking about and thought I'd have a snack while you were chatting. Very with nice. Our viewers. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> so you have beef jerky. <laughs> I do, Kel and it's not. delicious. Kel oh, here not. we go. Yes. So here we go. So, like I said, you know, it, it, Jerry, Jerry was the one scheming and plotting here, not Kel, but. Uh, mm-hmm. She she made this accusation, which, like I said, I, I still maintain was a false one. Wow. And Am I going to get in on this? When? Like right now, because you were like, he didn't have it. Is this yeah. the end of the of the? No, discussion? no, no. Oh, I got plenty right. of evidence. Uh, oh, me. OK. All right. OK. OK. Um, Madam <laughs> Prosecutor, I got plenty of evidence. I, I would love to see the receipts. Okay. Let's go. So um, I, I will say. It's not clear to me if she purposely made up a lie or she really thought she saw something and then just refused to admit she was wrong. Um, Because besides what we saw of her whipping the rest of the tribe into a frenzy that ended up with them searching the bag, Mm -hmm. the cameraman also searched Kel himself and found nothing. Okay. Okay. But that obviously wasn't enough for her. 
I know that Rob mentioned it a bit on the wiggle room and said he'd heard from those who were there and they still say Kel had something like beef jerky from Amber and Mitchell and some of the others. But let's recount what actually happened. Jerry made the initial claim. Okay. She saw him eating just like you were. Okay. Several others did not then say, yes, we saw him eating beef jerky. They said they saw him chewing something. But Colby is the one who actually designated it as beef jerky. It wasn't Jerry. Well, she, Jerry? Was, well, she was describing a brown substance. She described it. And then, you know, he just he just designated it that way. OK. Um, some people have called it a granola bar, although I think a granola bar probably would have fallen apart. So if in this hypothetical world there actually was something, <laughs> beef jerky makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, so Jerry made the claim. The others didn't say at the time they saw him actually chowing down like you were. They just saw him chewing something. So. If they then said, as Rob pointed out, years later when they were making the DVD or now, if they now say they have now changed their story and say, yes, I'm sure that's what it was. Okay, that is false memories. Mm. That is a change in your memory because you have been retelling the same story. But you go back. I'm pointing to my TV like you can see it. You go back and look at my TV. You go back and look at that scene. They didn't say that. Only Jerry was the one who said she specifically saw him holding and chewing on something. The rest just saw chewing motions. Okay. Um, so I, I don't really, you know, I, everybody's going to say, oh, you're accusing them of lying. No, memories do change. Okay. Okay. All right. Beyond that, <laughs> if Jerry saw him specifically with the supposed beef jerky, and others saw him chewing something. That means he would have to be so stupid that he not only let Jerry see him, but he chewed contraband in front of the others as well. So this lends credence to his statements about chewing on grass or plants or whatever else, because he wouldn't have thought anything of that. Whereas if you're going to, if you're going to be hiding contraband and eating it, you're not going to do it in front of people. Well, but did Jerry ever say that she saw, I mean, I believe she said she saw him just kind of walking in the distance and was chewing on something or something along those lines. It didn't sound like he was sitting in camp chewing on something in well, front of everybody other, openly. But the other said, Oh, we saw him chewing too. And then there was a scene near the end of the episode where they were going through the quick clips of people saying, this is who I'm going to vote for, etc." And if you watch, they pan across and he's sitting there chewing. He's just, you know, mm. just like nowadays people have their toothpicks. He was chewing on something. He See, he should have followed uh, the lead of the toothpick people. Mm. Then nobody yes. would have accused him of every, anything. Toothpicks, I'm telling you, that was one of, I was, I, I was doing that too. That was a great, right, great thing to do. So, but, but there's well, more here. There's well, more here. All hold right. On. All right. Um, so as we'll discuss when we do get to the rules, Kel was often separating himself from the group. He went out fishing alone in the canoe. He was wandering by himself. Mm -hmm. And again, this adds evidence against him having beef jerky. If he wanted to make sure no one would see him eating it, he would have taken it out with him on one of those trips because I'm pretty sure in those days, they didn't have a cameraman always with him, like on a canoe or 
on a right. wandering trip because they didn't have idols or anything. So there was no need to follow someone as they wandered off into the forest. Right. And, and that's why the cameraman had to search him too, because obviously they hadn't been filming him the entire time. So where is that coming from that the cameraman searched him? It was in one of my old interviews. Mm. Okay. Um, and it, it was a reference that I made to something, to a prior article. So it wasn't just necessarily coming from him. Um, okay. But I, I believe if my memory serves, and this is a 19 year old memory here, I believe that is why he ended up coming back to camp and saying, so I hear that because when she leveled the accusation, the cameraman pulled him aside and said, okay, we have to search you. It wasn't that he truly wandered by and just happened to hear her talking. If my memory serves that that's, you know, that's let, me, interesting. let me, so, um, mm, and you well, know that stuff like that happens on survivor, you know, that I, okay. I will. Let me, let me just jump in here if I can, okay. because I didn't read anything anywhere that the cameraman searched him. I know that there were searches conducted before he went out on the island. And I, I can attest that is absolutely what they do. They search you before. And I'm going to say a couple of things before I get into the second part. When they searched him before he went out, he was allegedly trying to smuggle a, uh, an extra pair of sneakers, according to other cast members, and that they had to actually take... Where did he, he hide the sneakers? Boy, that must have been a... Well, in his bag. See, now this is how oh, okay. I think things have changed. Now, what they do when you are going out mm-hmm. to the island, you don't have access to any of your things that you will have on the island until you were going out to play the game. The morning that they woke us up at 2 o'clock in the morning to say, okay, you're starting the game today, they then send you one by one to put on your game clothes, which they have taken from you. So you have no access mm-hmm. to your game clothes, which means you can't manipulate it in any way. So... What I think used to happen is people had access to their game clothes. They had access to they brought their own bags with them. Survivor Mm -hmm. didn't provide them bags. So you could put things in your bag that were approved. And hence, I mean, he had razors. He talked about the razors. So well, the razors. Yeah, right. That was his. I think that was his luxury item. or Right. So things have changed where you got to bring your own bag in Mm -hmm. with you and they would search your bag before you went. Now, what they do now is they search your person before you go out to play the game. Absolutely. But I think back then they would search your person in your bag and then you go into the game. And the story is from various survivors that he actually put an extra pair of sneakers in his bag after they had searched his bag or something. I don't know if that's, okay. but so I there, not was, heard that. there was some, um, some concern that he was trying to bring things in. Now, did you also hear about the airport? The airport. And and Jeff Varner? There's a lot of, there's a lot of so. tea out there. Okay. <laughs> so here's here's my receipts, all right? <laughs> so allegedly when they were at the airport, uh he was actually stopped by customs because Varner or Kel? No, Kel. I'm sorry. Kel was stopped by customs and more than one survivor can attest to this. The men and women were split up and the men were together and they actually, he was stopped because he had bags and bags of beef jerky that he was trying to bring into Australia with him. And so he was stopped by customs and the beef jerky was taken from him. So that was one component of the beef jerky. 
And then I mean, later, that would make it that would therefore explain where Colby came up with that. Then Absolutely. But then the next weird component of this is Jeff Varner in one of his interviews said that he actually observed Kel sewing something into the hem of his clothes. And then when Kel saw this, he like closed the door because he was in his bunk or whatever, and he closed the door so Varner couldn't see him doing this. So that was an interview from way back then. Um, and I, I guess if you're a Marine, you are trained to, sorry, that was my microphone. Yeah. See, I have my hands. You are, I guess you're part of your training is, is how you can sew things into the hem of your clothes so you can utilize it later if you get captured or whatever it might be. Um, or if you're just stranded, you have, you have food. And so there was this theory that because he was a trained Marine, he had sewn beef jerky into his the hem of his clothes now if he had his clothes his game clothes going into the game then there's a possibility that he could have been doing that if if they didn't take their game clothes from them so all of that being said the whole thing about production searching him when this came to light i question because in an interview with jeff probes from ew he actually said Oh, I think that he had beef jerky on him. I mean, that's what Jeff Probst said. Jeff Probst said, my gut with what I heard, what I had been told, I think he definitely had beef jerky on him. That came from Jeff Probst. Hmm. So if they had actually searched him and the camera people didn't find anything, I think Jeff Probst would have said, I had my camera guy search him. They didn't find anything. Instead, he's like, no, nah, he had beef jerky on him. And that came from an EW interview with Dalton Ross after, you know, this had all come about. So... I mean, again, nobody really knows for sure, obviously, except Kel. Kel's the only one, one who really person. knows. Yes. But it's interesting that there's all of those other layers to it as far as what Jeff Probst said and what happened at the airport and the sneakers. And, and you know, so who knows? But mm -hmm. I I feel like if, if Jeff Probst isn't even defending you, you know, you kind of well, have to wonder okay. if but that actually me, happened. Yeah. Let me counterpoint Jeff Probst. Okay. Because you and I both know, now I'm not putting words in your mouth because I don't mm -hmm. want to get you in trouble, but let's just say I know then. <laughs> Jeff Probst has said things in interviews that are not true. Oh, for when sure. When it makes Survivor look bad. And I agree. If there was this man who was in the armed forces who was run out on a rail because of allegedly having beef jerky mm -hmm. and Jeff were to come out and say, nah, I, he didn't have anything it would make the show look terrible for not stepping in and stopping these people from doing that. But I don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like if Jeff really wanted to protect the integrity of the show, he wouldn't have said people try to smuggle things in all the time and try to sneak things in. And this is survivor. It's a game. It happens. I feel like he would have wanted to protect the integrity and say, absolutely not a chance that he could have gotten anything by our production team. And there was no beef jerky on that guy. I feel like that would have been more protecting the integrity as opposed to, yeah, no, I think he had beef jerky because I do think, that they've changed their method as the years have gone by as to how they go about searching people, what they allow in the game, what they will actually get involved in. I mean, production doesn't get that involved in anything that occurs. I, I, they're very careful about not affecting people's games negatively. And I, I highly doubt if she was leveraging 
this story, you know, that she made it Mm -hmm. up about beef jerky, that production would have gotten involved and searched him because I feel like that could have affected the game itself. And I I just don't see them actually doing that, taking that step and getting themselves involved. It was from an article that I wrote back at the time. Right. You know, so at the time I had sources that, you know, that said that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my recollection is that's where he found out that he was being accused of this. And that's why he came back. Right. Not that he just happened to be wandering by. And, oh, I heard you accuse me of having <laughs> beef jerky. Of eating some which, beef jerky. Yeah. Which was an <laughs> awkward scene when you watch it. You know, it's it like, is, how oh, would he have heard that? You know, absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's um, very awkward for sure. So to my mind, Madam Prosecutor. <laughs> I do not in any way, shape or form think there's enough evidence here, Um, especially if camera people really did search him. I'm curious about that. I would really love to know if they did search him or Um, not. And also just from a logic standpoint, like I said, he would have to be so dumb when he's out there. How many times did we see just in this episode? He's out there by himself. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, he had all the time in the world to Mm -hmm. eat where there was no chance someone could see him. Oh, for sure. Why would he be chomping on something where other people can see him? But I also feel like sometimes people can find themselves in situations where you, this isn't, this is not anything anyone is accustomed to. When you are out there playing this game, you are not accustomed to camera people following you around. You're not accustomed to people whispering and you, and, and I mean, it's just, it's a whole different world. And so he, who knows if he just got distracted, if he didn't realize that someone's going to pay attention to him chewing something. I mean, it's it's so I don't I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. it's a much different I, environment that you might yeah. not be accustomed to. And he maybe didn't think anyone was going to assume that he was eating food if he was seen chewing I, something. I, mean, I don't know. He was in military intelligence, which well, I know sure. some people say is, you know, you know, two words that don't belong together. but. um <laughs> As a joke, people. Um, but I, I just can't believe he was that stupid. He was a captain in military intelligence. Yeah, and I and I don't think it's I don't think it's stupidity. I think that it can be more of uh, being very. Hmm. I don't know what it's. I almost want to say like you. You kind of get caught up in yourself, and maybe he just mm-hmm. thought I'm so much. My if I am in counterintelligence, okay, like that's his thing. And my military training should allow me to be able to get away with this. Maybe he just thought that he would be able to hide it from them because of the training that he's received. I mean, if if you are, I'm going to say if you're ballsy enough to sew beef jerky into the hem of your clothes, you're ballsy enough to then try to eat it and suspect that no one will find you or no one will catch you because that's a very risky thing to do. And so... Yeah. Clearly, if that's what he did, I feel like he'd be more willing to to take a risk and to take a chance because that's a huge risk to take in and of itself. See, I think it's the opposite. If you have gone through so much trouble to hide it that you sat there and sewed it into your hem mm-hmm. so no one would see it, you're not going to whip it out in front of people and start chewing it. But I don't think that's what he did. I think the way that Jerry described it was that she happened to see him when he was walking somewhere. That's what I'm saying. He was within visual range of her. Maybe he didn't know she was there. Yeah. He, I mean, he had so many opportunities when he was off by himself. Maybe he ate all the beef jerky by the time they searched him. (laughs) 
Listen, well, that's I don't poor planning. But. I, it is poor planning. Yeah. I just I just I think it's very interesting the lead up to it and that all of these other things transpired and and Jeff Probst coming out and saying what he said. I just I just feel like it's it's an interesting conversation. Clearly, I don't know if he actually had it or not. I'm certainly not saying there's enough evidence to show that he did, but. I question a lot of what occurred and and I know listening to Rob talk about the Amazon was it the Amazon? No. It was on the Amazon. Yeah, he no, no, but, All-Stars briefly. But I no, but it was All-Stars because he was talking about Richard Hatch. Mm-hmm. And a particular item that Richard Hatch smuggled in <laughs> to All-Stars and um Production didn't say anything about it. Production didn't get involved. So I think they, I think they might have gotten involved, but it wasn't part of, it didn't come out in the game. It came out after the show was done. So I, I feel like that would support the production not getting involved because they don't want to affect people's games argument. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I still, I still think that he did not do it. And it is also very interesting to me as we'll find out, and I don't want to jump ahead here, but he was alone out there. Oh, for sure. It's interesting that they blame the loner. Oh, yeah. And it mm-hmm. is interesting that Jerry, of all people, came up with this because mm-hmm. Jerry's hands are not clean in any way, shape, or form in Survivor. Um, I and I decided not to go on a rant uh, about my feelings on Jerry uh, overall. Suffice it to say, I have never been a fan. Um, but uh, anyone who read my articles and reality news online knows that. Um, but uh, it's a matter of fact, I even got into an argument with Adam Klein about it one time. Uh, but but uh, it, it's all these things just add up to me. And we'll talk more about the loner aspect uh, shortly. Um, now, I love you, Jerry. I think you're great. I don't love you, Jerry. <laughs> I don't think you're great. <laughs> we are disagreeing a lot this episode. This is no, a lot we're not. Of fun. Oh wait, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to eat more beef jerky. You do that while I tell people <laughs> that don't, don't, um, don't turn off the podcast after our conclusions. I know sometimes people are like, "Oh, conclusions are over. They're just going to, you know, talk about subscribing and stuff like that." I can turn off the podcast, but after the conclusions are over. I also had done several interviews with Kel after his season was over. And while they didn't necessarily add a whole lot to the game aspect of things, um, I'll give a rundown of some interesting information from those interviews at the end. Um, <laughs> Let me guess. He told you he didn't eat beef jerky. While he we was didn't even there. discuss it in those interviews. What? Um, How did so- you not discuss the beef jerky? Well, I mean, because by that time he had already addressed it. So there was not, these were uh, further on down. They were, they were longer. You'll have to stick around and find out. We just spent uh, like 25 minutes talking about the beef. I know. And you didn't even ask him about it. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure at some point I asked him about it and he denied it, you know, just like he mm. denied it to everybody else. It's mm-hmm. not like he was going to suddenly come up with a revelation and say, Hey, <laughs> hey David, don't tell anyone. But I, 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 I ate beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> 
It would have been fascinating. If yeah. you could have pulled that well, out of your war yeah. chest. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I, there's some very interesting stuff there. So uh, don't don't shut it off after the conclusion. All right. You I'll either. stick around, too. Yes, you stick around. <laughs> uh, so with that, OK, let's I mean, we're, we're what are we? We're 25 minutes into this. We haven't uh-huh. even gotten to the rules yet. Talked about beef jerky. That's right. Um, and, and you were telling your husband you'd be done in an hour. <laughs> I, I, you did laugh when I said that. <laughs> yes, so. I know. Now I know um, why. Yes. So anyway, the rules. Uh, Kel came into the game from the military and he was clearly prepared for the physical aspects of the game. He also studied the first season and believed he was ready for the strategic aspect. But nobody was ready for the likes of Jerry. Was it just her <laughs> beef jerky accusation that did him in? Or was there more that surrounded the whole situation? Uh, you probably already know the answer to that. But <laughs> it's time to revisit everything leading up to the vote and figure out why Kel lost. Amazing. All right. So the first rule then now always is to scheme and plot. We saw Kel telling us that he had an alliance with Mad Dog and Tina against Jerry. Uh, This went along with what he said in Survivor 2, the field guide. (laughs) See, you came with props too. I came with beef jerky. (laughs) Right. Now, I, I should probably explain just what this book is uh it is not like this book which we talked which we talked about <laughs> last time okay because this was a review of of what happened in that season this was published before the season was complete it might have even been published right at the outset so it didn't go into what was happening on the show it talked a lot about australia survivor overall a bit about each contestant it even had, um, I never took it out, but the official field guide map. Ah. Yeah, see, but did you highlight still, a bunch of random things in that book? I did not. I did not. Damn it. Oh, I forgot to mention that part. Okay, quick tangent. We did find <laughs> out. I did do, people on Twitter already know this, uh, but speaking of the books, we, I did do a book review of this book. Uh, at the time for my website and I noted in there the poor grammar, the poorly written <laughs> sentences and some of the contradictions. And so looking back to last week's episode where some of the highlighted passages or, or sentence, well, sentence fragments were poorly written and you and I were joking uh, about, oh, maybe I was just highlighting the stuff he wrote poorly. Yeah, it turns out that might have been true. That's what you were um, doing. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so part of that mystery may be solved. Anyway, uh, getting back to this book. Um, so like I said, it had, it had all that stuff and it included, uh, some of the, about each contestant. Uh, now the, that, that part is kind of like all the pregame interviews we get now from Dalton mm. and Gordon and formerly Wiggler. Um, all combined together in one passage. Uh, so Kel said his plan was to choose an alliance within the first three days and stand by any agreement he makes. And that part's smart and goes along with my advice in the first rule about making an early alliance. His problem was that they were not as loyal to him as he was to them. Mm-hmm. Now, in my original column, I wondered if he really did have an alliance or it was more one-sided with him promising one thing and them just nodding along noncommittally. 
looking back now with the experience of having watched and studied 40 seasons, I would tell my former self, I do think they had an alliance. I just think the two women saw which way the wind was blowing and realized three is not a majority. So they jumped ship in a hurry. And, you know, in the end, it seemed to work out okay for Tina. Yeah. And I do think that if, if it was becoming so obvious that he was kind of isolating himself from the group very early on, which it appeared that he was, then absolutely those ladies made the right decision and saying, eh, we're going to go over with the majority as opposed to attaching ourselves to him. But they at least didn't tell him that. So that was great right. because they did yes. keep him thinking that this is what they were doing and he was committing himself to them. And the three of them were going to vote a particular way. And he even said that, that he that's what he was doing. He promised them on like day one, he was going to vote mm -hmm. out Jerry and that's what he was going to stick to. That was the plan. So he did at least come in with a strategic idea of how he wanted to play the game. But unfortunately, I think other people were being very strategic at the same time and playing him at the same time while they were making better moves for themselves moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the main problem, like I said, is three is not a majority. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he needed to be making alliances with a lot more people, but he wasn't because he wasn't even hanging out with more people. Like you said, normally we would wait until rule five and you'd say, oh, I want to talk about this. And I'd say, no, 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 you got to wait. But let's just jump ahead and yes. jump right to that rule because of the interplay here. Uh, and of course, it's all for you. Oh, uh, I agree. oh, that's so nice. Oh, thanks. Even though, you know what? I should move it back down because you disagreed with me earlier. But uh, um, No, we're going with yeah. rule five oh, right okay. now. Fine, fine. So the, the fifth rule is all about the social game and reminds players they need to pretend to be nice. Kel did not have the greatest social game we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wrote out some notes about it now, you know, in watching it. But then I went back to my old column. And I realized it would just be easier to quote myself. <laughs> so I said at the time, Kel knew he was great. having a hard time fitting in with the rest of the group. As such, he should have spent more time trying to bond with them instead of going off on his own to try to catch fish or walk around the hill or whatever. By separating himself out like that, he didn't give himself a chance to stick around. He did, however, give the others plenty of opportunity to plot against him. Mm-hmm. So the guy who wrote that, he definitely knew what he was talking about. Definitely. That yeah. guy sounds like he should make rule for Survivor. I know. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, we saw the others going together to play in the water and bond. And, you know, Colby criticized Kel because he couldn't fish a rubber ducky out of a bathtub. Hmm. Uh, you know, Josh and Rob even mentioned on the wiggle room. It was it was awkward, annoying, whatever, to see Kel getting mocked for trying to feed the tribe. He was trying to help them, and they're making fun of him. Right. But you know, that's the problem when you go off by yourself. Kel said on the show, I may not be the most talkative one. I'm a very quiet person, but he needed to get past that. Yeah. And I think that this shows the the problem that was early on in Survivor was this idea that it was also about survival, which mm -hmm. it still is, but I think now there's a realization that Nobody cares if you're getting food. People appreciate it. Trust me. I really appreciated the people that were going out fishing, but it's also not necessarily going to help you win the game. You're feeding your tribe, which is wonderful, but you also need to remember that you're there to play a game. And those are the people you're playing the game with. You're not just feeding them. And I think Kel came into it thinking, well, I'm going to, I'm a survivalist and, and this is what I can do and I can provide for them. 
without realizing that there's more to it than just that. And I think as the seasons have progressed, we've seen more and more of that realization come through that it's not about who can catch the most fish. It's about who can create the best relationships. And if you can catch fish on top of it, awesome. But you got to be able to do both. And he clearly was missing that second component. Right. Now, he said, you know, that he tried to learn from Richard Hatch, which is smart. So he knew he had to form an alliance like Mm -hmm. we discussed. And he thought he had to become a provider because remember, Richard was a provider. Right. Back in those early days, like you said, lots of people thought that way. And in fact, the seventh rule at the time said providing food wins allies. So even I thought it back then. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason that rule dropped off. You look at these posters. It's not there. No. Because players learned about these exact types of situations. You know, Mitchell said at the time, Kel was the fisherman of the group. And it seemed Kel thought if he caught something, then he he would stay longer. But he wouldn't have. Because Kel separated himself from the group. Uh, He gave up on social bonds to try to provide food. And as he said, after the jerky gate discussion, I will now leave you guys in peace. And then he went back to fishing. Right. He left again. That, yes. Yeah. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem was you weren't there. So you were an easy target. And then you left again, which I think goes back to what I said. Awfully coincidental that Jerry, who Kel is targeting, says that Kel is the one who had this beef jerky and Kel is also already the outcast from the tribe. Yes. And I do think that he's been described by a lot of people who played the game with him as a loner, socially Mm -hmm. inept, I think was another phrase that was used to describe him. Uh, Thank you for that, Colby. But it's it's I do think that it came across even before the game started, at least from what I read with with various interviews. He sounded like he was distancing himself even early on before they even got out onto the, you know, I don't even want to call it an island, but wherever they ended up, you know, the outback, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there there is a realization now that the game starts before it even starts. And again, I think that this was this was season two. Well, this is new. And I don't know if he really realized how much he was kind of damning himself for an early vote out by how he was behaving even before the game began. I will tell you. Um, he did know that the game started before it started, but he thought that it was um, that, that it was just the the alliance situation. I'm, I'm looking to see because somewhere in the here he said that. Um, I don't know. It was in here. You didn't but now highlight I it. No, I didn't <laughs> highlight it, but it's in here somewhere. Uh, it was in. Oh, here it is. Post it now. Uh, here it is. Uh, I'm going to have to decide who are my allies and who are the people I can trust and who are going to be my enemies. I've already started playing. So this is in the interview phase. Okay. Right when we started to do the interviews, you walk by the contestants and you overhear conversations. I've been taking some notes. Okay. So he knew, he knew the game began before the game began, but he was still only thinking about it in terms of alliances, not in right. terms of smiling at people and, and you right. know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think he tried to pretend to be nice. He just wasn't up to the task. Uh, even when he yeah. offered his razor to people, I have to agree with Jerry. It made him look guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't I think agree. he was guilty. I don't think he was. I, I just think it made him. It didn't help. He just had problems with social interactions with this group of people. 
Yeah, no, I do agree that the offering up the razor certainly added to his appearing to be guilty yeah. because yeah. most people wouldn't offer up something else if they're being accused of something they didn't do and then be like, oh, and by the way, here, let me give you this to try right. to gain favor. It was, uh, yeah, it was a poor attempt to remedy the situation. Mm -hmm. um, now, and next is where we get into a bit of a contradiction because, you know, we've been talking about Kel was in the military when he did the show. In the Survivor 2 field guide, uh, <laughs> Kel said that he didn't, did not think he'd have problems dealing with civilians because he only got into the military at the age of 28 and he was 32 at the time. But when he was voted out, he said he knew it would be hard to fit in because he's a military guy and he's used to working with specific types of people. He didn't think in a couple of days he could overcome their differences. And it's, it seems my best guess is ahead of time, he thought he could do it. But then once he got into the game, he quickly realized Oh my gosh, these people are so different from those mm -hmm. who I'm used to dealing with that yeah. it, it just didn't work. Well, and I've actually talked about that a lot on this podcast is that when you go into this game, you might have an idea in your head of how you want to play the game and, mm -hmm. and things that you want to accomplish and how you want to be perceived. But unfortunately, there are so many things outside of your control and things that you don't expect, things that you've never anticipated or prepared for. You know, I mean, we spent our first night in torrential rain, downpour, shivering, freezing, being un unable to sleep. Yeah, I mean, just it's these are all you things didn't prepare that prepare for a hurricane. No, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I did not do that before I went out there. You so didn't bring it, eye guards so sand wouldn't get <laughs> right. I know I should have had my glasses on. Yeah. So it's it's one of those moments that I think you know a lot of people who've played this game have that realization that all of a sudden, like, oh, this is not what I expected. And I think he's one of those people that no matter how much of a survivalist you are, no matter how much you think you've prepared to be out in the elements and and experience that world, which I think he believed he was very accustomed to. Mm -hmm. He was not accustomed to the fact that he was doing this with 15 other people who had a different perception on the game and on the world and how they were going to play this game and what they were bringing into it. And I think he probably walked in thinking his background was going to enable him to play the game better when in actuality, it probably hindered his ability to play the game. Yeah, probably. All right. Now we can circle back to the second rule, which says not to scheme and plot too much. It's pretty clear to me that Kel didn't have a problem here because he wasn't scheming and plotting enough. At least that's what my notes say. But as we've been talking, I do wonder, did Jerry know he was targeting her? He told Tina, he told Mad Dog. Did Jerry know that he was targeting her? And did that play into anything that happened? That would be incredible if it did. <laughs> So if so, then we might have to look at scheming and plotting too much. But I don't think we have any evidence for it. It is supposition on my part. Well, and I'm curious, though, was he the one that dropped Jerry's name first or was that a group consensus or was it Tina or was it Mad Dog? Because it seems like Mad Dog ended up um, kind of almost, not really bonding with Jerry, but Tina, I think that. The beef jerky thing kind of brought them all a little bit closer and considering Tina's the one that went through his bag. So I am wondering if that, you know, if that was a group consensus initially to target Jerry or if it was Kel that wanted to target her. I think it was Kel that wanted to. I'm sure Keith would have joined right in mm. um, as Keith was sitting there with his gritted teeth going, yes, Jerry, <laughs> I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, um, I, I think it was just the three of them at first. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, it could have been Mad Dog or Tina who brought it up first. Right. But that is interesting because we have seen once you drop someone's name, mm-hmm. the response is usually, well, now that person wants to vote right. you out. So if she went about this in a more creative fashion, I don't know, that would be good for her to have. It, it would be good for her. Done and, that. And I do think she went about it in a more creative fashion, you know, so. <laughs> so you're so. agreeing with me. I, well, it sounds like you're agreeing with me. <laughs> If you're saying she was just being creative about it, then that's uh, creative is another word for lying. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> See, here's the thing. You have to use everything to your to your benefit. Right. And oh, yeah. if, if if by chance the guy that was targeting her is also the same guy that she saw eating beef jerky. Kudos to her for being like, hey, busted him. And I'm going to tell everyone that I did. Because he's also or targeting she just me. made the whole thing up. I don't. I don't know. Or she just, uh, like I said, I'm not saying she made it up. She could have been mistaken. As often. And she could have been, but she was also, somebody aided her, right? We talked about Colby already. Colby's the one who said it was beef jerky. She said she saw him chewing something brown. Colby's the one that designated it as beef jerky. So well, yeah. he's I mean, also all involved in. in this. Yeah. But I, I guarantee you, if, let's say that she had come back and said that about Mitchell. I guarantee the discussion would not have been the same way. Well, because Mitchell they, wasn't trying to sneak beef jerky into no, Australia. No, but I'm saying because Mitchell was part of their in-group. Nah, but yeah. also he was trying to sneak beef jerky into Australia. <laughs> Why are you trying to smuggle beef jerky into Australia when you're about to on go the plane? No, he's I already don't... in Australia. He's he already he's trying to smuggle it in. Well, maybe he brought a bunch. I always carry more snacks than I need. And I do frequently get pulled aside by security. I will. Know. I know. And they're very every, clear. Every time, you can't bring time. food. You can't bring food into wherever it is you're traveling into. They, you have to throw it away, get rid of it on the plane. And he was trying to smuggle it <laughs> through well, customs. He bought all this beef jerky. He didn't want to throw it in. <laughs> because he was going to sneak it into the game. No, because he was going to sneak it into Survivor Australia, <gasps> not Survivor. Oh my Australia, See, you even, not you even said it. You no, just said it. Slip of the tongue. Um, <laughs> you know what happens? That means it's true. No, it does that's not. What you said. That's no. what you just said. You no. just said sneak it into Survivor. <laughs> okay, this is not good podcasting. You just say this is what you said, and me saying no. So, but that's exactly what just happened. Everyone no. saw it. Okay, moving no. on. What no. rule are we on? Uh, we're done. You're done. Just hang up. <laughs> Wow, what happens when I don't agree with David Bloomberg? That's right. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, don't you do it. Oh, I can do it. No. I can do it. Let's see. What do I do? Bye bye. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to eat meat. I'm getting my beef jerky. We're going to go home. Actually, I'm already home. I just have to go upstairs. I mean, I could do this, and you can't (gasps) even see. (gasps) All right. Now everyone have a great time. We'll get a David Bloomberg doing the podcast by himself. Yes. Well, they could still hear you. They just couldn't see you. So. <laughs> I could eat all the beef jerky. That's right. <laughs> Make chewing noises. <laughs> it's only gross. All right. We're it's on rule three. Okay. We're on rule three, uh, which is uh, talks about being flexible. And Kel, as we have just discussed, said he promised Mad Dog and Tina that he would vote for Jerry. So that's what he was doing. And, and that was that. 
Mm-hmm. The problem is, I don't know when he last talked to those two women. So it appeared that he was just going off of his early conversations, meaning he didn't take into account any of the changes that were happening around him. Which I, he was aware of because they clearly were talking about him. You would think. Mm-hmm. Um, he needed to see what was going on at the tribe and move with it. Um, but instead, he had his strategy and plans and he was going with them. He was fishing. He had his alliance. He seemingly had no idea that the others were making fun of him mm-hmm. and that he had become a target. Right. And I do think that clearly his reaction to that particular scene when they were accusing him of doing this, mm-hmm. his response to it really shows you that he he didn't understand that at that moment he needed to change things up immediately because he was in a lot of trouble. He locked himself into a particular plan a strategy to play the game. And that was what he was sticking to. Yeah. And his response leads us directly into the fourth rule because it says not to let their emotions control them. And, you know, Kel was a military intelligence officer. He was a man to whom honor truly meant something. You know, you could see in the interview, he talks about Gretchen and her honor, for example. Mm -hmm. And even when he was accused of cheating by this nasty little actress wannabe, uh, well, that's what she was. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that's still what she is, but her job was literally actress wannabe. Um, is that what it said? Actress no, wannabe? Okay. <laughs> Aspiring actress or something like that. Actress wannabe. And um, and let's face it, she was nasty. So um, but he kept completely cool and calm. So bravo to him for not letting his emotions control him there. But it didn't help him because of all the other things we talked about already. Personally, I probably would have exploded. Well, um, and that might have been I, a better reaction. Well, I don't think exploding would have. I think someplace between what he did and what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that, yes, have it showing like no emotion, essentially, makes yeah. people think like, oh, see, he did it. Exploding like I would have, they would have been like, see, he did it. He's just mm-hmm. he's just upset. Me thinks he doth protest too much. Mm. Um, and so somewhere in the middle. Might have been, but in his case, probably not. I don't, I think he could have reacted a hundred different ways and it wouldn't have mattered because he was already the guy on the outside. Yeah. And I I don't discount that because I think he was already in a very bad place, but I do think that the way he responded, it just kind of added fuel to the fire as well. I mean, we saw Jerry in the confessional say that it was weird that he was offering up his razors and we've already talked about how that certainly didn't help his Mm -hmm. explanation at all because it really just made him appear more guilty really. So I, you know, I do think that it just really said to them, it kind of solidified, I think in their mind that like, okay, this guy's got to go. He's on the outside. He's eating beef jerky. And now he's trying to cover it up with his razors. <laughs> I hope they got the razors before they voted him out. I don't know. I feel like I knew that at some point, but now I don't remember. Mm, you have to go back into your war chest. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've looked through my war chest, although I might be missing one article. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that might have been the cameraman part. Um, I wonder if it was in my... Sorry, this is poor podcasting as I sit here and think <laughs> about things. Um, you can okay. answer it next week. Yeah, exactly. We'll just keep this running thing going. Mm-hmm. All right, the sixth rule, because we already did the fifth rule, warns against being too much of a threat. Do you think that was an issue here? I think he was obviously physically in a in great condition and someone mm-hmm. who could potentially have been seen as a threat with some of the incredible challenges that they used to do. I mean, they still do great challenges, but the endurance challenges 
wow, you know, I, I would have loved to have had a chance to do something like what they were doing um, in Australia. But so I think overall, his his physical ability is probably very much a threat. But I on the whole, not a threat because he didn't have the the social awareness. He certainly didn't have a strong alliance. You know, there's a lot of things missing from his game that would have made him an entire package, you know, catching food, being physical, you know, physically fit and, and able to do well in the challenges and also having a great social game. That's a different, that's a different story. He was certainly lacking in that, in that regard. Yeah. And I don't think at that time people were, were at all thinking that far into the deep into the game. This was the first vote for the tribe. They're not thinking, Oh, when we get to the merge, right. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think he was targeted for being any sort of threat. Uh, in in some ways, it was the opposite. He was on the outs with everyone, so it was fine to pick him off. Nowadays, people might keep him. Mm-hmm. Even starting from the first vote, they might be like, oh, we can get rid of Kel at any time. Let's pick someone else to knock right, off. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. So they probably would have tried to drag him to the end. Um, and then said he was hiding beef jerky. Exactly. That's what they would have said. <laughs> They would have been lying, but that's what they would have said. Uh, <laughs> all right. The seventh rule covers idols and advantages. We definitely don't have anything to cover in this rule since those hadn't been invented yet. But it's kind of too bad that they didn't have idols yet, because if they did, the cameramen truly would have never let Kel wander off alone. Mm-hmm. And then nobody could have made that claim. Right. So. Even though he was eating beef chicken. Well, he wasn't. And so then they couldn't have made the claim because he would have been on camera all the time. Mm. I mean, you don't see anyone accusing Tony of that because there was always a camera on Tony. I know. Well, when there's idols out there, there's cameramen following you. Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So now we move to Appendix A, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting. This used to be rule three. Three. Um. Uh, telling people to vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. Now, actually, back then, I hadn't even added the final strong yet. So it was just weak, strong, weak. Okay. Um, this is so much fun. So, but anyway, there there really wasn't anybody who was particularly weak on this tribe because they'd won the first two challenges. Mm-hmm, you know, sure. Tina said at tribal council that she screwed up and she should be the one to go, but she knew that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, not being able to eat cow gut unlikely to come up in another challenge so it did not play into things you know it's not like oh she had trouble running or swimming oh she had trouble swallowing cow gut i would love for them to go back to the eating challenges would you have wanted to eat cow gut yes oh i would have i would have done any i put it on a plate i'll eat it i would have loved to have had a chance to do that that's fascinating But they what they did they did do it in a recent season. Was it Ghost Island? I feel like they did an eating challenge. I think it was Ghost Island. I don't Island. remember. But I was so excited to see it again. I'm like, oh thank God, they're bringing back the gross eating challenge. And then but it's been but it was very yeah. long since they did it. Anyway. Yeah. Um so Oh, sorry. So what, anyway, yeah, I, I was saying, you know, that eating cow gut didn't. But what did play into it was the fact that weakness is not only a challenge evaluation, but also also an overall look at how someone interacts with the tribe. And so I said at the time in my column 
Jerry had convinced most of the rest of the tribe that Kel was a cheater and a liar, and this was weakening them all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if from that standpoint, he was the weak one, quote unquote. But maybe she didn't have to convince him if that's actually what was happening. Well, she did have to convince them because she was lying um, or mistaken. Now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. We're back. So let's get back to the show. It's about anyway. time to wrap things up. So what are your final thoughts that don't include beef jerky? Oh, come on. You know, I was bringing this back up. Well, I mean, you can eat it. <laughs> Although I don't think no. people want to hear you chew. I know I won't. I won't keep it. It's delicious. Trust me. I'm finishing that bag when we're done with this because that's so good. But I do think that I'm going to say it again. I said it last week. I love going back in time and revisiting these seasons because I do appreciate what Survivor used to be. I love it now, but I appreciated so much what it was. Um, obviously, it's changed so much over the years. And we've heard as your rules have developed, the game has changed. And I do think that Kel was someone who came into this game struggling from the start. He came in, although he had a plan, he wanted to form an alliance. He unfortunately separated himself from the group too soon. And I really think socially distanced himself so much. That's a good term right now, right? Oh, yes. That he, he certainly put himself in harm's way. And I do think that when you are already in harm's way, if you provide any type of an excuse for anyone to add additional fuel to the fire, it puts yourself in a very bad position. And we saw that happen with Cal. Beef jerky. Was he eating it? I don't know, but it sounds like there's a chance he might have been based on what I've seen as the evidence. So I do think that all of those things together really put Kel in a much worse position than he was already in. Even though he was trying to feed the tribe, he was isolating himself. And even though he had an alliance, he didn't stay on top of that alliance and didn't actually know what was happening because he continued to isolate himself. So I really do think that though Kel came into this game thinking that his abilities through the military training was going to help him and carry him through this game. I really do think that that was part of the biggest hurdle that he had coming into this game because the social component was so lacking. And unfortunately for Cal, it really led him down a very bad path and <laughs> found him voted out second and first on his tribe. Right. Yep, so, correct. yeah. Yeah. Um, season two was the first group who had previous players to look at. Kel wanted to learn from the winner, Richard Hatch. What did Richard do? He fished and he made alliances, but not in that order. There's a reason scheming and plotting is the first rule and providing food fell out of the rules entirely as time went on while the social game rose in prominence. Kel was a perfect example of what happens if you ignore the rest of your tribe mates while in your mind, you're trying to help them. Even if he had been catching fish, it's unlikely his tribe mates would have accepted him because he didn't try to actually be a part of the tribe. He missed out on all the bonding that was happening and thought he was good because he believed in his alliance with Mad Dog and Tina. But he wasn't around when his name was brought up. And once that happened, it was clear the majority was voting that way. There was nothing else anyone could really do. His two supposed allies had no choice but to go with the group. Simply put, Kel needed to focus on relationships, both social and strategic. But instead, he set himself apart from everyone, making him an easy person to target and tell stories about. And that 
is why Kel lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Now, remember that in a moment, I'm going to talk about Kel after Survivor. But first, let me remind everyone that the rules we just discussed are now available in both poster. That's right. Poster. And T-shirt form. So, uh, you know, for the shirt, go to robhaswebsite.com or robhaspodcast.com. Click on the merch link and sort to see newer items first. For the poster, go to tinyurl.com slash davidrulesposter2. And remember that we'll... Uh, that, that if you want to, um, uh, if you're out of the country to DM Jessica, that's right. You can certainly contact me and I can make arrangements to get that to you. The shipping will be a little bit more expensive, obviously, but we can work out the details when you contact yes. me. All right. So as I said, after season two was over, I interviewed Kel at least four times over the next several years. And in some of these cases, he would only talk to me because he knew I wasn't going to sensationalize things. At the time, you have to remember that Survivor Media was insane. Mm, it mm-hmm. was the most popular show. Uh, it was, you know, anything that anyone did. I remember the people from season one got dragged through the mud, just dragged through the mud. Richard, there was some incident he had with his son that got dragged out. Um there were several others. I don't want to say anything from memory because I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but everything that they ever did got dragged into the media. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was, there was a lot of that going on. Um, now I have unfortunately lost touch with Kel after a few years. So we're talking like, I don't know, 16, 15 years ago, something like that. So I have no idea what he's up to these days and hope everything turned out great for him. But shortly after Survivor, he left the army after six years of service and moved to Toronto, where he became a Survivor and entertainment reporter for Global TV. Um, he told me it may seem like a strange transition, but he actually received both his bachelor's and master's degrees in radio and television before going into the army. Remember I said he went in at the age of 28 mm-hmm. and he's Canadian by birth. Ah, now, yes. Yeah. So he was actually, you know, they made a big deal. Oh, we're letting Canadians on. He was the first Canadian to appear mm-hmm. on survivor. That's true. And I remember at the time, this is how sensationalized it was. Someone found out that they were in the outback and they sent planes over to take pictures to see if they could find out anything about the contestants and Kel had on the top of his backpack, a Canadian flag Mm. or something someplace on him, the plane, the the photo showed that. And they're like, Oh my gosh, they're inviting Canadians. No, they had a Canadian who moved to America. Right. Um, So anyway, uh, while he was working uh, for global, he also did some TV commercials. None for beef jerky. Um, although I thought he I, did do beef jerky commercials. No, no, I joked about that with him every time I interviewed him. Mm. Um, and he kept saying things like, well, I'm still deciding, you know. Um, but at that point, he was probably pissed at me for even mentioning I don't know. It. He claimed um, in an interview that he was getting offers to do all kinds of beef jerky commercials. Yeah, he told me the same thing. Mm. Um, I mean, he may have decided it wasn't worth it or uh, he may have just been joking. Who knows? Um. By by September of 2002, he had left Global and was looking at other opportunities when he was involved in a very unfortunate situation. 
He was attacked and stabbed repeatedly in a crowded bar. I can tell you didn't know that. I did not. Yeah. So I think I may have been the only interview he actually gave on the subject. It wow. made the news. But uh, he talked to me later. Uh, he said that um, a, a guy came up to him in the bar and said, are you that Indian on Survivor? And he thought that was strange. But he said, yeah, I'm the guy from Survivor. And the man walked away and found three people he knew. And then they came back to him and they kind of made a circle around him. One of them splashed a drink into his eyes and then they started hitting him on the head on the back of the head with broken beer bottle, stabbing him. Um, and and he, he managed to get himself over the bar and away from the men. But by that time he had been stabbed seven times in the oh. head and once in the back. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, they didn't hit his eyes or face or any vital organs. And he told me uh, if I could use the word lucky, which I think is kind of stretching it. It's that they didn't hit any vital parts. Holy Lord. Yeah. So obviously, you know, this is what, he said happened there. People are nuts in bars. Who knows, you know, if there was some perceived slight or they just didn't like Native Americans or they didn't like Survivor, although that, you know, just turn off your TV. Don't stab a guy. Um, wow. But yes, so he he went through that. Uh, he did recover. And by 2005, when the Survivor Australian Outback DVD hit stores, I spoke to him again. Uh, he had met a woman while he was working for Global, and they got married in November 2003. Uh, and then he went back to the Army by December, because one of the reasons he left the Army was he couldn't, he couldn't meet anybody. Mm-hmm. And so he had told them, if I meet someone, I get married, I'll give you a call back. And he did. And they took him back, and they stationed him in Hawaii where he was preparing to be a company commander, which is what he was doing when I last talked to him, like I said, in, in 2005. Wow. Uh, he, he did say he intended to make the army his career uh, and that he had just needed that break. Like I said, to kind of, you know, get a family. Um, I think doing the math, he's right about my age. So he could be still in the military or he could be retired and doing something else. I did not try to Google stalk him to, to find out. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to go down that path. Um, I just, just hope he's doing well. That's all. Well, I hope he's doing well too. And if he's listening, which I don't know why he would be, but if he is, it'd be great to get a little update so we yeah. could know exactly yeah. what's up with Kel. Yeah. He did say in one of the, uh, one, in one of the interviews I did with him, he was like, Oh, I think Survivor is going to go on for a long time. Well, he was right. He was right. Mm hmm. So, all right. Uh, next episode, Rob has announced we will be looking at episode three of the Marquesas. Uh, once again, I won't spoil the result, but I believe this episode was a key turning point in how people thought about the game. So it'll be interesting to go back and revisit it. Yes. Delving back into all these old seasons, it, yes. it really sends me down the rabbit hole because then I'm on the yeah, interwebs. In <laughs> oh my gosh. I listened to a podcast from 2014 that Oh, Rob the Gordon did. Holmes one? Yes. No, no. Was it? No, I don't think it was the, it was the mystery. Was that Gordon Holmes? Yeah, was, I think they said uh, that I didn't have a chance. I saw that, but it was too late at that point. That might, it was, so it might have been, yes, I think it was Gordon Holmes then, but yes, it was the, um, it was the, the, you know, mystery 
what was that show called again? I can't mm-hmm. remember, but Unsolved I was listening Mysteries, to yeah. Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. So I was, I listened, I stumbled upon that. I was like, look at all of this discussion of beef jerky. <laughs> there was so much. I should have listened to it. So I'd been ready for your, uh, for your false arguments. Yeah. Uh, no, that came from a different article. Oh, okay. um, there was, those were not false arguments. I'm just saying that that it added to the arguments I put forth. To the false arguments that you put they forth. They were yes. not false arguments. These yes. were things I will quote. Rob, he did say that a lot of, oh, oh, <laughs> I see what's happening. He said that this can't be canon because it was actually in, I think it's in the DVD. Like it's included in like the interviews that they have on the DVD. So I, it's got to mean something if, if people were saying it and it was included. I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, it means that they, their memories were false. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I already we- proved. So. You didn't prove anything. Oh, I proved. I proved that their memories were false. They contradicted no. themselves. No, so. I don't think you proved anything. Yeah. So as we wrap up, I want to <laughs> encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at robhaswebsite.com slash patron. Uh, once you join, you'll see that Rob does over nine patron-only call-in shows a month, plus a weekly patron trivia, um, plus a weekly Q&A show with Nicole, plus, uh, I don't know, tons of Everything. 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 Yeah. Um, you know, there's also been several shows live streaming to the patrons like the wiggle room. Um, and then of course, once we eventually get past all this, there are discounts, first access to live show tickets. But until that time, there's the Facebook groups to keep you occupied with a great community of people, uh, including both of us where you can talk about survivor, big brother, uh, life in general. There's a rumor now that they're preparing a big brother all stars. Mm, There uh, is. Yeah. Summer. Um, and so, you know, that'll be on there. So again, remember to go to robhaswebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups, make sure to say hello. Yes. And I did jump in recently. So I've been getting yeah. better about getting in there. But yes, you should definitely join because it is a great group of individuals who love all of the same things that you love, all of the great shows that you love and wonderful people who want to talk about it. And I think that that's something that a lot of individuals might struggle with is that you want to have these in-depth conversations Mm -hmm. about shows that you love and finding people to do that with is sometimes hard. So this group, you don't even have to worry about it. You can jump on there and get involved in the conversation. It's wonderful to have for sure. All right. And how else can people reach us? Oh, geez, that's right. Um, Twitter. (laughs) Those wonderful Twitter handles, which are, if I can do this, I have to, which way? Other way. No, I know. Other. Everything's backwards. Down here. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is flipped around. I can't handle it. Um, but yes, I am at Jessica Lewis 89 and David is at David Bloomberg. And you should follow us both because we tweet back and forth. See, you figured it out. Nice. I have to see. <laughs> there we go. There <laughs> and uh, we do a lot of, we live tweet obviously during the actual survivor season, but right now we don't have that, but we still tweet. So I'm at Jessica Lewis 89 at David Bloomberg. Follow us both. David likes to put a lot of selfies up there. So, you know, you get oh, to yeah, check lots. that out. Yeah. <laughs> don't believe as before. Don't listen to her. Uh, so, oh, so, so uh, we, we need a hashtag and I think there can only be one hashtag. Beef jerky. Jerky gate. Jerky <laughs> gate. <laughs> I love it. That's what we called it back in the day. I know. That's great. I love it. Uh, And of course, there's a hashtag for this podcast overall. Why X lost. Uh, Also make sure you're subscribed to all of the RHAP survivor podcasts at Rob has a podcast.com slash survivor or on your favorite podcatcher on your phone. Um, 
We are also on the Reality TV Rehap-Ups feed in both places. You can find great content like the Know-It-Alls, the Wiggle Room, uh, the B&B, all the different things. I'm not even sure which podcasts are podcasting during this back-in-time thing. So uh, I know the Wiggle Room, and we are, and I think the B&B is. I don't know if they're doing it every week. Um, and, and I think Rob's gonna, you know, trying to get interviews and other things. So just subscribe, and then you'll get everything, and you won't have to worry about missing something. Exactly. Um, so, and then of course there's talking with T-Bird. Uh, they, you know, they talked to, uh, Tom Westman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, you know, a great podcast. So anyway, like I said, survive, uh, subscribe to Survivor and, uh, you, you'll get all that. Absolutely. And we have to say thank you so much to Will from America for making the incredible song that is on the audio version of this podcast, not the video version. And then also thank you to Scott St. Pierre for all of the editing that he does on both the audio and video. So thank you so much for all of the work that you both do. It's incredible. And we appreciate it very much. And thank you, David, for allowing me to disagree with you (laughs) in such a kind and understanding fashion and not minimizing me in any way or removing me from the screen oh here we go again (laughs) hey you brought it up so that was a lot of fun i appreciate it very much thank you okay yes and thank you uh even though you're wrong uh for another Uh, great week other than you being wrong mm, and mm. uh you know i will see everybody next week for another blast from the past bye survivor and you're feeling down david and jessica will turn it around they'll break down the rules and we'll show you how Played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost